Hello and welcome back to the conversation. I am so honored tonight, and I mean incredibly honored tonight, to be joined with the internationally renowned Professor Noam Chomsky. We know that he's an American linguist, he's a social critic, he's a historian, and he always tells it like it is. Professor Chomsky, thank you so much for joining me today on the conversation. Very pleased to be with you. Now, Professor, you know, I said I was going to end with this, but I just can't help myself. I have to start with this. You were born on December the 7th. Guess who else was born on December the 7th? Me. I'm so like, oh my God, I share a birthday with the great Professor Noam Chomsky. Famous day. Yeah, very famous day. You know, my grandfather living infamy. <laughs> live in infamy. Yeah, I, one of my grandfather, my mother's father, fought in World War Two, uh, and he would always make the joke about uh, me being a Pearl Harbor baby. It was also the date of the Indonesian invasion of East Timor, which was yeah. the worst slaughter relative to population since. World War II with US backing all the way. Yeah, a lot of bad things happened on that on December 7th, except for our birth dates. You were 1928, I believe. Yeah, okay. And and I was 1967 for all the world to know. So I'm just <laughs> so incredibly delighted to be with you, Professor. So, you know, you once said and, and you you definitely say a lot and just really honored that you don't hesitate to tell it like it is. We need some more real truth talk right now in the world. But you once said that a just and sustainable future exists, but we don't have much time. In that messaging, was it just towards, is that message just for politicians or is it for the rest of us? It's mostly for the rest of us. The politicians already know it. The question is, can they be pressured to act on what they know? We're seeing this right in Glasgow now. So President Biden knows very well and says that we are heading towards a calamity. But at the same time, he requests the major oil producing countries to increase production. He's joined by the leaders of the other rich countries. They have all read the latest IPCC report, which says that if we want to save ourselves, we have to begin reducing fossil fuels right now, annually, till we basically phase them out by mid century. And what they're all saying is, Increase production, okay? Those aren't the people we have to talk to. We have to yes. talk to people like Greta Thunberg. She, we don't have to talk to her, she already knows it. But young people who are demonstrating outside the halls where they're meeting in Glasgow and demanding that they act to save their future. Those are the people, actually, those people know it, but we have talked to others who will join them. And we, and, and just to add to that, Professor, you know, I saw a 
photograph of some of the leaders in Glasgow and there was a caption above it saying that read rather world leaders flip a coin to to deal with with climate change. So it really proves your point about how sometimes these leaders say one thing but their actions dictate an entirely different thing that is at times the antithesis of the urgency of this particular moment, especially when it comes to climate chaos. And it does seem, not just seem, I'm really happy to see so many young people, the leaders of the Sunrise Movement, another example of young people really taking up the mantle and demanding. There's a hunger strike going on too right now, Professor, as you are fully aware of. And those, the most of the people on that hunger strike right now outside of the White House are young people. That's right. They're taking the lead, which is shocking. They're, they're saying correctly to my generation, you betrayed us, which is correct. We're continuing to betray them. They're the inheritors of the debacle that we are creating. It's not too late. It's time to do something, but we can't delay. And Professor, it would be extraordinary. I mean, you want to talk about something that world leaders could really come together to do in a very deep and poignant way is to deal with climate chaos, something that has not been done in any generation on the magnitude that it must be done right now. And it would be extraordinary, it's extraordinarily necessary for world leaders to come together, certainly dealing with famine and 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 wildfires and earthquakes and hurricanes, the push and pull factors that happen for people, people being displaced from their homes because of the factors and the variables that are happening in, you know, within mother nature because of human beings. I mean, it would just be something magnificent if world leaders were to get together right now and take this as seriously as it needs to be taken. And take some of that energy that we focus in on wars and building the biggest arsenals and put it towards trying to save Mother Earth. Not only be magnificent, it's essential. If yeah. we don't proceed along the lines that the IPCPC outlined or the Sunrise Movement has outlined, pretty much the same, we will soon be reaching irreversible tipping points. Doesn't mean everybody's gonna die tomorrow, but it will be means we'll be moving into a new era of human history, which will be most horrifying in material terms, an escalation of everything you described, but also horrifying in psychic terms. We will be facing the fact that we're facing the end. We're falling off the precipice. It'll be a case of let's save what we can and let everybody else disappear. It's unimaginable. And it's not far off. We still have a decade or two to reverse course. If we don't do it, we go over the precipice. Yeah, Doc, and you know, there have been many movies that show this horror time and time again. I mean, you're talking about art entertaining life. What would you say? Because there are many people who don't necessarily believe 
that this could happen. Or they think it's so far down the road that they don't have to worry about it. What would, what would be your message to people who just simply don't believe that we're facing this kind of catastrophic future? Well, we don't have many weapons. One of them is education. Another is organization. Another is activism of the kind that the Sunrise Movement uh, illustrated. And it's worth bearing in mind what they did. It's a group of young people active for years in trying to save the environment from disaster. They moved to the level of civil disobedience, sitting in on congressional offices, Nancy Pelosi's office. Ordinarily, they would have been just thrown out by the camp, by the uh, police. Capitol Police. Capitol Police. Not this time, because they were joined by a young representative, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, came in on the Sanders wave with a few others. She joined them, protected them. It went on to the point where the Biden campaign was pressured to accept a reasonable, not sufficient, but at least reasonable climate program uh, opposed 100% by the Republicans and by the party managers who didn't want it either. But it's there. And Ocasio-Cortez and uh, Ed Markey, senior senator from Massachusetts, did introduce a resolution. They just reintroduced it a couple of months ago, which spells out in detail how we can overcome this catastrophe in a feasible manner. Their proposals are very similar to those of the International Energy Agency, which is originally a fossil fuel-based international organization. Uh, Several fine economists, my colleague Robert Pollan, Jeffrey Sachs, have come out with detailed proposals, all very similar, slight differences, and all show very convincingly that with expenditures that are well within reach, less, for example, than that was used to bail out uh, rich investors during the pandemic, less than that. We can, two to three percent of gross domestic product, we can move directly towards uh, not only overcoming this crisis, but to a much better world, a world with less pollution, better jobs, better lives, better better environments, just uh, uh, a life that will be preferable for all of us. It's within reach. And yeah. interestingly, though the political leaders are not listening, lots of people working in the extractive industries are the United Mine Workers, uh, has basically accepted a proposal, a transition proposal, requesting correctly that provisions be made to make sure that the 
workers in the mines whose livelihoods will be lost, will be cared for, families cared for, trained, moved to better jobs. All can be done easily within reach. That's uh, right. Yeah, there, a, a just transition is necessary. We cannot leave our sisters and brothers and family and friends in the coal industry out in the cold. They must have a just transition so that they can provide for their families. And the new energies, you know, whether it's wind or solar, the whole greening of America. And I keep saying the world because I know that the United States can be a leader, but we cannot be the only one because dealing with climate chaos is certainly something that we have to deal with as a world. But there are lots of economic, it's political, it's social, it's economically and morally right thing to do and to make sure that the folks who work in the coal industry are the first in line for that just transition. That's correct. So Dr. Chomsky, what keeps you up at night? I don't know, I guess what we're talking about right now might be one of those things, but what keeps you up at night or framed another way? What what causes you discomfort in the political realm? The fact that we have the means to save ourselves, save the millions of other species we're destroying, create a better life and we're not adopting we're not pursuing the opportunities that are available to us it's not just on this issue same is true on nuclear war an equally serious issue a threat that has been it's enormous it's growing can be controlled uh, but we have to grasp the opportunities that's the kind of thing that should be keeping us all awake until we manage to overcome this gap, a gap of will and energy, and carry out the actions that have been spelled out for us. We know what they are. We can grasp them. We can pursue them. We can get a better world. But it's not going to happen by itself. And it's not going to happen without the kind of mass popular activism and protests and pressure that are exhibited by Extinction Rebellion, Sunrise Movement, Global Climate Strike, and others, almost all young people. Yeah, and you know, because it reminds me a lot of when we think about the civil rights movement itself, a lot, a lot of the, the people who pretend, I mean, it was a generational fight, no doubt about it, elders and young people together, because that's how great change happens. But I think oftentimes when we think about or talk about the civil rights movement, we forget to put that extra special touch on the fact that many of those people were of the same age that the people of the Sunrise Movement or Greta and so many others. Those are to me like the 21st century version of those young people. Go back and Think about the snack workers who were riding freedom buses through Alabama, taking right. their lives in their hands to try to convince black farmers that they could dare to cast a vote. Dare. Many of them paid a bitter price for it. But they and others like them finally made some achievements. Nowhere near enough, but some. But so, yeah. There are other cases. 
early 1980s. There were huge protests against the efforts to escalate the threat of war by establishing short-range missiles in uh, in Western Europe, Germany, aimed at Russia. Probably would have finished us off, but they were sufficient to convince or pressure Ronald Reagan to accept an agreement with Mikhail Gorbachev, which in fact staved off the threat for many years. Not now. It was dismantled by President Trump and has not yet been reinstituted. But it's the kind of thing that can be achieved by dedicated popular action. Indeed, Doc, the only thing that has really changed uh, the course of history for humankind and all species, as you mentioned earlier, that, that depend on us to do the right thing has come from populist grassroots action, forcing the elected officials to do what it is they would not ordinarily do. I want to uh, talk about the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. because in thinking about and reading uh, some of your writings, your bold positions on what must be done. And the fact that you continue to say that these things can be done if we act fast, an acknowledgement of the fact that the United States of America has all of the resources available. We have all of the resources at our disposal to be bold in our answer to or response to Mother Earth crying out about how she has been abused generation after generation. We can actually do these things. It's not like we're a poor nation and we can't afford to. Not only can we afford to do this for ourselves, we can afford to be one of many leaders on the world stage, especially industrialized nations, doing this both for our nations and other poor nations in the world. And, and Doc, it made me think about something that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, very quotable as we both know, but this I think speaks to this moment. And I just wanna get your reaction to this in our final moments. I wanna put up the quote so that we both can see it and you can respond to it in our final moments together. But the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that power without love is reckless and abusive and love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice and justice at its best is power correcting everything that stands against love. Dr. Chomsky. We will have to have the kind of cooperation, mutual support, mutual aid that comes from sympathy for others, even if we disagree with them, recognition that we're all in this together. We have to love Mother Nature, the other species we're destroying, the people around the world who depend on us for their survival. That has to be part of our effort to struggle to ensure that the opportunities that are right in front of us, we can grasp. I totally, totally agreed. And there are many opportunities in front of us. We just have to seize them. Dr. Chomsky, thank you so very much for joining us on the conversation. We are incredibly blessed and honored to have you on our show and to have you 
on the battlefield with so many uh, giants, uh, ordinary people putting a little extra on their ordinary, as I like to say, to really upset the apple cart, shake up the status quo or do a new thing that benefits all people and all things. So thank you, Dr. Chomsky, for all that you do and all that you have taught us over the years. Thank you very much for having me on. Our pleasure.